Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. Well, here we are as 2023 comes to an end, 2024. Or, and 2024 is about to begin. It is the last day. And I want to talk to you today about choosing a joyful finish or finishing well. Starting well is easy. Uh, we're getting to the point where lots of you have made New Year's resolutions. And for some of you, this will be the year that you get in shape and lose weight. For some of you, this will be the year that you get organized and you pay off your debt and you begin to save. And maybe it'll be the year that you finally start a good habit and quit a bad habit. But starting well has never really been the issue, has it? Starting well is basically the premise of New Year's resolutions. You can last for a couple of weeks, maybe some of you with great Self-discipline lasts much longer than that. Starting well is always easy. It's finishing that's the problem. And if there are consequences for us not finishing well with our health or our wealth or our relationships, you can be rest assured that the consequences for not finishing well in this much larger race that we all run together are a hundredfold. And church, many of you have begun well. You have started well, but somewhere along the line, you've tripped up and you've fallen. And perhaps you've gotten up, but you've tripped and you've fallen so many times that you lack the motivation or the strength to get up and to continue to run the race that is set before you. And so I want to encourage you today to finish well. Paul, the apostle, who's often considered to be the greatest Christian that is ever known, the the world has ever known, he was concerned about finishing well. In Acts chapter 2, in verses 24 through 25, Paul says that he does not account his life of any value or as precious to himself if only he may finish his course and the ministry that he received from the Lord Jesus But today I want you to join me as I hear your pages turn in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I should have begun with that. I started bad, but I'll finish well. Let me have a chance. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Paul shows his utmost concern for finishing well when he says, hear now the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, In verses 24 through 27, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that today... You teach us 
to finish the race that you've set before us well. Help us to finish in a way that would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Generally, our format as a church is we have a passage of Scripture and we study that passage of Scripture. Last year, or this past year, we've gone through the book of Philippians and it's taken us all year to wrap up that book. And this next year, we'll do the same with another book. But I want to use our text today, Paul's urgency, his passion for the desire to finish well. I want to use this passage as a platform to give you eight key habits for finishing well. If you want to finish well, I want to help us to finish well. I want you to understand this before we dive in today to this message. The race that is set before you is not a quick race. It's not a 100-yard dash. It's not a sprint. Our race is long distance. Failure to see this is what allows God's people so many times to look for little and to settle for less. Our race is a long race. It's the long run. It's why God values endurance over ease. It's why he values perseverance over pleasure. And if you want to finish this race that God has set before you, it's going to take more than just a little bit of commitment. It's going to take more than just that little bitty prayer that you said so many years ago when you invited Jesus to be in your heart or to be the Lord of your life. To be sure you cannot even enter the race if you have not repented of your sins and called upon Jesus as Savior and Lord. But it's going to take more than just that little prayer if you want to finish well. So, if you're making New Year's resolutions, let me give you a few. Let me suggest a few for you. Here's one habit that you need to cultivate this year. In the year 2024, in the time that you've been given, if you want to finish the race well... The first habit I want you to form is seeking. Seeking. Do you know the number one reason why most marriages fail? Marriages that fail, do you want to know the number one reason why most of them fail? Communication. But let me narrow that down. Most marriages that fail, fail not only because of a lack of communication, but more specifically because uh, the spouses stop pursuing one another. They stop pursuing one another and seeking after one another. To be sure, I want you to understand this. Christians have accepted, are people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have been born again. But as believers, we ought to be people who are constantly pursuing Jesus. Perhaps that has not been a part of your discipline and your practice throughout the year. But if you want to finish well, you need to make seeking after the Lord your utmost priority. Jesus pursued us first. Without a shadow of a doubt, the reason that you and I are saved are not because we loved him first. He loved us first. He saw us in our pitiful, sinful uh, condition. We were enemies of the cross, but God loved us so much. He loved the world so much he sent his only son to die for us. He came after us. He came to, to bring healing to those who are sick. He came for the down and out. He lived a perfect life and died on the cross for us and rose again on the third day so that we can be born again and entrust our lives to him. He sought us first. 
But as believers, we ought to make it a pattern of our lives to seek after the Lord with all that we have. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What does the psalmist say? As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. If you want to finish the race well, you can't do it by seeking your own interest or by seeking your own self, but you can finish the race well. The race, the course that God has set in front of you, you can finish it well by seeking Christ first. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verses 1 through 2, the author tells us of this great race that we all run. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also throw aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And in verse 2, looking to Jesus. If you want to finish the race well, my friends, you need to take your eyes off of the things that are around you and set your eyes on the prize. Set your eyes on what we are to inherit when we get there, which is Jesus. Don't you see, heaven is not some place where we're going to enjoy just the streets that are made of gold. It's not just some place where there's not going to be tears, where there won't be tears anymore, some place where there won't be death anymore. But what makes heaven so great for us believers is Jesus is there. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who's worthy of glory. But somewhere along the way, Christianity has become something beyond seeking after Jesus. It's nothing, nothing more than that. It's following him, pursuing him, seeking after him. Some of us have become discouraged. You've fallen down in the race. You've messed up. You've stopped setting your eyes on Jesus. You are going to mess up every time you take your eyes off of him. Amen. Do you remember when Peter stepped out of that boat on that stormy sea? When he was looking at Jesus, he was standing on the surface. Amen. But when he took his eyes off, what happened to him? He began to sink. He began to sink. Set your eyes on Jesus this year. Early in the morning, throughout the day, set your eyes on Jesus. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, turn off that TV, turn off your phone, set your eyes on Jesus, and you will find the, the ability to finish well. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verses 13 through 14, the word of the Lord comes to us, his people, and says, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. A lot of Christians live lives of defeat because they're not setting their eyes on Jesus. Amen. They're not thinking about him throughout the day. He's not their priority. My friends, Make the healthy habit of seeking Jesus this year. Secondly, if you want to finish the race well, the race that the Lord has laid before you, let me give you another good habit. Study. I know what you're thinking. Study. Uh, you can't be asking me uh, to cram for some cosmic final exam. Uh, I'm not asking you to be necessarily academic. Uh, 
I was, uh, well, I was not, I am not the brightest bulb that there ever was, right? No amen, Chad. That's where you can stop right there. I'm not the most academic that there has ever been. But studying God's Word is not strictly academic. We all study or closely observe the things that we value. Maybe you're into cars. Maybe some of you are into cars, and you can, you can tell me when a car goes by, you can tell me what kind of motor or what kind of engine is in that car. Maybe you study people. You know what people are like. You study the, the uh, finances and, and the market. You know uh, everything about the stocks and whether they're going up and down. Maybe you, you study sports. And you can tell me who's going to be in a bowl game and who's not going to be in a bowl game and who deserves to be in the Final Four and who lost by a tremendous amount of points to another team that wasn't in the Final Four. Maybe you studied all of those things. Study comes natural to all of us. We study those things that we like, that we value, we observe, we give our time to it. If it's TV, you, you watch, you observe the television show that you like. You can tell me. What character is in what trouble at what time and what they need? When I tell you that if you want to finish well, you need to study, I'm not putting upon you some homework or laborious task. I'm telling you, if you love Jesus, observe him, set your eyes on him, and study his word. Immerse yourself in God's word. In Psalm 119, begin reading in verse 9, the psalmist says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Believers, could it be that you've stumbled in this race that God has set before you and you lack the strength to get up because you are not studying that which is of greater value, that you've not set your eyes upon the Lord and his word? Could it be that you're you give in easily to temptation without any fight because you've not stored up God's word in your heart? Let me encourage you. Maybe you say, Josh, I, I, can't, I can't memorize the word like I used to. Well, memorize what you can. Memorize it throughout the week. Write it down on note cards throughout your house. Read God's word. Meditate upon it. Study God's word. Jesus says about his disciples when praying with the Father, he says, sanctify them in truth. Father, your word is truth. I want to encourage you this year to make Quiet time alone with the Lord, reading his word to be a priority for you and for your family. This year, uh, I, I have, um, I have uh, seen this podcast. I put it up on my uh, Facebook uh, the other day. There's a, a podcast there at Crossway, and it's uh, listening through the Bible for an entire year. And you can listen to various people read through the Bible an entire year, but it's an easy way to listen to God's word, to hear God's word. If you're not going to open up his word, which you should, find some platform for listening to God's word and make it a routine study. God's word, if he's important to you, you ought to set your eyes upon him and study him. If you want to finish well, you need to study God's word. And by the way, 
here's a bad way of studying. If you, if you want to really set yourself up for failure, you just do this. God, I really need to hear from you. And you got 45 seconds, boom, boom, right? That's not going to end well, right? That's a very bad way of studying. Studying God's Word means I open up to a book of the Bible, I start at the beginning, and I read my way through, right? And it's not necessarily about speed. It's not about speed reading. Well, I read through the entire Bible in, in a year. Congratulations. But what have you stored up in your heart? Here, the psalmist says that he studies God's word. He's hidden God's word in his heart. And you and I, if we want to finish the race well, the race that God has set before us, we will study his word daily. You ought to stud- we ought to be studying his word daily. Thirdly, you need to meditate. If you want to finish well, you need to seek after him. You need to study him. But you need to digest what you've read. You need to meditate upon it. Eastern religions teach us that meditation is slowly taking every thought out of our mind until there's nothing there. For some of us, that would be easier than others. Christian meditation is not taking stuff out of my mind, but it's putting God's word into my mind. And it's mulling it over. And it's thinking about it. Okay? So there's a lot of Christians who are committed to daily quiet times. And maybe they'll even set aside 15 to 30 minutes uh, when everyone's asleep or before everyone's awake and they'll read God's word. But what you need to do with that is you need to meditate on it. You need to think about it. You've read it. Now you need to mull it over in your mind. You need to think about what what that means and and how God can apply that to your life. The psalmist believed in meditating upon God's word. In Psalm chapter 1, the opening of Psalms, in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. There are a lot of things you can give your thoughts to. There's no shortage of things, right? Uh, when, when you're praying, perhaps, at night, you begin to pray, and then if you're like me, your mind drifts to something else, and you have to say, oh, God, I'm sorry, I was in the middle of talking to you, and then my mind went somewhere else, and it's, it's, it's constant. But meditating is me intentionally taking God's Word and thinking about it and mulling it over in my heart and giving it thought. Philippians, in in the book of Philippians, Paul will say, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are anything of excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, you can give your heart to worry. You can give it to anxiety. You give yourself much time without anything going on, you can worry about anything. You know what we ought to do? We ought to think about God's Word and meditate upon God's Word. There are times where I'll be having a quiet time, I'll be reading God's Word, a verse will just pop out at me, and I'll begin to think on that, and later on throughout the day, I'll think of a passage, the the exact location uh, escapes me right now, but it's in the book of Psalms where where the psalmist says, Unite my heart to fear your name. And I'll begin to think of that, and I'll say, Lord, you know my heart's divided 
I've given it to you, but it's divided. I still have this flesh. I still have these fleshly desires. I still have these things hold on to. Lord, unite my heart. Take away the division of my heart that I may fear your name. If you want to finish the race that God has set before you well, you need to not only study God's word, but you need to meditate upon God's word. You ought to be, hey, dads, when you're in the house, I want you to bring a memory verse to your children, and I want you to talk about what does that verse mean? Well, how can we apply that verse to our lives How does that verse point us towards Jesus? How does that verse make us want to get rid of the sin in our lives? How can God use this verse to glorify the name of Jesus in our lives? If you want to finish the race well, and you want to finish the race well, you need to be those people and believers who meditate on God's Word. Fourthly, prayer. Another good habit to start. Okay, so we said that we ought to be those who are seeking, those who are studying, those who are meditating, and then fourthly, those who are praying. Listen closely to me on this one. If you fail at everything else, and you should not, there's no excuse for you to fail. This is not an out. You better make sure this year that you are a good prayer. You better make sure that you've learned how to get away from everyone and everything or to approach the throne of grace with boldness and boldly make your request be made known before God. Prayer is this wonderful privilege that God has afforded to us, and we have set it off to the side. Prayer has become our last resort when it should be the first thing that we run to. It should be the first thing that we cling to. We ought to be going to the Lord, taking everything to him in prayer. I don't have to face a certain direction. I don't have to go to a certain person right here, right now, on the road. Even when I'm laying down in bed to go to sleep, when I'm about another task, I can be praying, asking the Lord to help me to to be a good ambassador for him, to live my life for him. You and I ought to be good prayers. Billy Graham at the end of his life said that if he could go back in time, one of the things that he would do is pray more. My friends, you and I ought to pray more. It's not that you're up to heap up all these empty phrases. Jesus warns against that, as a matter of fact. He says, beware of these people who just like to be heard. Beware of these people who just like to use all of these big, fancy words. How do you pray to God? You go before him in the name of Jesus, and you just let your request be made known before him. He understands you. All right? I've got, uh, I've got Siri here on my watch. Uh-oh, there she goes. All right? And uh, she does not understand my version of English. They've not programmed in They're probably in deep study right now. If they can figure out my language, then they could figure out any foreign language of any kind. I mean, God can understand all of us, our language, our hearts. He knows what we need before we ask it. Hey, why don't you take it to him in prayer? Hey, that thing you've been worrying about this year, that thing that's got you down on the ground, have you 
taking it to the Lord of prayer? Are you taking it to him in prayer, trusting in him? Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He said, I have this thorn in the flesh that's been causing me so much pain, so much difficulty in my life. I took it before the Lord three times. He didn't take it away from me, but he said, my strength is perfected in your weakness. You see, Paul didn't get that thorn in the flesh taken away, but what he did get was put on the same page as the Lord, and he glorified in that. You and I ought to be good prayers. The Bible says that believers will be those who pray persistently. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Jesus says of his disciples, when he leaves, they will be people who pray and fast. Now, don't answer this out loud. Nobody, answer this out loud. But listen, I'm telling you, do not answer this question out loud. When's the last time you fasted? When's the last time you said, Lord, above this next meal, I need you in this tragedy in my life, in this trial, in this temptation, I don't want to give in to this next meal because I would rather have you than this next meal that is in front of me. We ought to be those people who fast and who pray. If you want to finish the race well, you're going to have to be a good prayer. And it's not about, again, it's not about the words you say. It's just about being persistent about going to him first. Lord, I need you. Lord, my temperament, I need you. Lord, at my job, I need you. Lord, with this temptation, I need you. You have to be good at prayer. Number five, praise. Uh, if you want to finish the race well, you need to cultivate the habit of praising. Criticism and complaints are a dime a dozen. It's our fleshly instinct. I was uh, staying one, uh, when I was uh, in the military, I stayed with my uncle over one weekend. He's a retired colonel. As a matter of fact, he would drive around the base. He had that colonel on the front car, and my friends would be uh, coming up to a salute, and I'd leave my hand out the window, and I'd salute them back, you know, retired colonel driving by. And I was telling him about the training that we were doing, and I said, yeah, well, it's, it ain't training if it ain't raining. That's kind of our motto. And he said, well, us officer, officers have a different motto he said, it ain't training if the troops ain't complaining, right? Complaining comes easy. They're a dime a dozen. Do you know what takes something more and what's greater? Praise. We're going to a place without complaint. We're going to a place where there'll be no more tears, no frustrations. Let's just get a head start. Don't wait for Sunday to praise. Listen, when you come in here on Sunday mornings, I hope when we sing, I don't even turn around. I sit right over here, somewhere over here, and I look forward and I just sing. I hope that when we come in here on Sundays, you're singing. I hope some of you got your heads bowed down because the song means so much to you. I hope some of you just sitting down because of the gravity of all of the truth of those words that you're singing. Some of you standing up, you're lifting your hands. But I don't want that praise to just be during this hour-long service on a Sunday morning. You love Jesus if you want to seek after him, if you want to study his word well, if you want to finish the race, you need to make praising him 
a habit that you cultivate throughout the week. Make a joyful noise. Praise him. Sing these songs. Maybe it's a, a song that's, uh, that, that, that's really close to you. Maybe you've heard it on a, a, a Christian radio station or maybe it's on your playlist. Maybe it's a song out of the hymn book. Throughout the week, you ought to be people who prioritize personal praise. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 33 and verse 1, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. You know what, Christian? Praise suits you just fine. It's what you ought to be doing throughout the week. It's what you were made to do. When's the last time that you praised him? Maybe it's not just in song. Maybe it's in prayer. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. You are so good. When's the last time you told him how good he was to you? When's the last time you thanked him for all that he's done for you? If you want to finish well, you'll be someone who's grateful and someone who praises the Lord throughout the week. Well, sixthly, sixthly, we're moving more quickly now. I want you to practice what you preach. If you're going to finish the race well that God has laid before you, you've got to practice what you preach. Let me give you one better. You've got to practice what you believe. And everybody in here and everybody out there and in the world, everyone practices what they believe. The real question is whether or not your practice is showing you that you believe what you say you believe or if you actually believe something else. Let me give you a good example. God has commanded us to give to his local church in tithing, right? No amens on that one. It's the end of the year. I had to get to finances sometime, okay? You hold on. God's commanded us, and yet there are times when we say, God, I can't do it. Well, who do you believe? Do you believe your logic? Do you believe your math? Or do you believe his math? Do you believe what God says? And let's make it not just about finances because I don't like talking about finances. I don't like thinking about, let's talk about every other area of life, right? You, you're told that you can't get ahead in business unless you deal in a way that's unchristlike. Well, practice what you believe. If you don't believe that God is good for his word, then you'll do whatever seems right to you. But we ought to make it a, our, our practice, our hobby throughout the year to practice, to follow after Jesus. First John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We used to have those bracelets that said WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Um, but they were helpful. I remember being helpful to me throughout the day as a teenager, looking at those bracelets and remembering, oh, man, I, I shouldn't have said that. I should not have done that. You know what? We ought to make it a hobby throughout the day to practice what we preach, to practice what we say we believe, to follow after Jesus. We ought to make it a priority to, to practice. And if you want to finish the race well, you'll practice following Jesus. Amen? You'll want to look like him. You'll want to act like him. You'll want to talk like him. All right, let's move on. We're two points away from the, from the epic finish here, from the, from the finishing well. My seventh point here is show up. Show up. A very easy New Year's resolution for you this year, if you want to finish well, is to commit to come to church faithfully with your family. 
If you come to every church service that we have planned throughout this next year, you'll spend approximately four hours a week here at First Baptist Church of West Memphis. That's if you show up early. Some of you don't show up early. That's if you don't uh, leave early. Some of you leave a little early, right? This is if you stay here in the most generous proportion of time. You will have spent four hours a week at church. That's 208 hours a year. If there are 8,760 hours up in the coming year, then that means that you will have only given around 2% of your time to the church. Now, that's not too much to ask. Is it 2%? I don't, I don't, think, that's, I don't think that's too much to ask. God certainly who has demanded you to give your whole life to him does not think that showing up to the services that we've planned is too much to ask. I want to encourage you, if, if, if you commit to that time, you will only have spent 2% of your time at the church. Now listen to this. Your kids, if they go to public school, will have spent at least 1,246 hours in public school. That's 14% of their time. I think that math is right. If it's not, it's pretty close. I did it online, so it had to be right, right? 14% of their time. 14% of the time they're being poured into educationally, but also by the world. And you think that just these couple of hours are enough to combat all of that? Believers, you shouldn't sacrifice this time that we have with one another. All right? You ought to make it a priority to be here. If, you're, if your kids spend at least 14 hours uh, uh, throughout the week, that's two hours a day on screen time, that's 8% of their lives. All right? We ought to be those people who are committed to church. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want us to commit to being faithful in church service. Showing up, serving, being here. You encourage one another. Did you know that? Your very presence here encourages other folks. Your fellowship with them encourages them and should draw them closer to Jesus. And if you want to finish the race well, you need to be plugged into a Bible-believing, God-fearing, gospel-preaching church, which I believe is what First Baptist Church of West Memphis is. You ought to be faithful here. You ought to be serving here. You ought to show up here. Some consider the church to be a hospital or, uh, for those who are sick, and it certainly is that. I consider us a forward operating base. We come here, we encourage one another, and then we go out and we proclaim the gospel to those who are around us. We live our lives for Jesus for those who are around us, and we come back again together and we encourage one another, and then we go back out into a lost and dying world to share with them the salvation that has been given to us, which brings me to my final point. All right, so let me go through all these again in case you've not taken notes. You need to be a seeker. You need to be seeking after the Lord this year. You need to be studying his word. You need to be meditating upon his word. You need to be praying to him. You need to be praising him. You need to be practicing what you preach. You need to be showing up and persistent in your church attendance. And then finally, if you want to finish the race well, you need to be sharing the gospel. Personally. 
I shared this with a Sunday school class this morning. Uh, this year is our centennial celebration. We'll celebrate 100 years in existence. And we're going to encourage you. You'll see next week we're going to hand out our booklet for the year next week. So you all want to be here for that. It's also a solemn assembly. It'll be a blessing. You need to be here next Sunday. It's going to be a great service uh, together. But in that book, you'll see a, a challenge to the church. Take the 100 challenge. And the first challenge on that list is witness personally to 100 people this next year. I'm not, don't, invite, don't just invite them to church. Share the gospel with 100 people this next year. Not collectively, not all just in the household. I'm saying make it a point throughout the week to find two people to share the gospel with. Two people. Maybe it's in Walmart or Kroger. Maybe it's at the park. Maybe it's at your work. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's in your own family. Find two people and share the gospel with them each week. Make sure you find someone every week, at least two times a week, to personally testify to what Jesus has done in your life. If you want to finish well, you'll be about what God gave us the task of doing, which is taking the gospel to all the world. Amen. The disciples did not even second guess that. Now, they would say, Jesus, when are you coming back? What will be the sign of your return? They may have questioned a lot of things after he left, but one thing they knew for sure it was their mandate. It was their command. It was the great commission that they should go and share the gospel with the entire world, with everyone who was around them. They didn't have the luxury that we have. You and I are not going to be put in jail for sharing the gospel, not here in America, not right now. You and I are probably not going to be beaten for sharing the gospel, not here, not right now at least. But the disciples knew that when they shared the gospel, it most certainly was going to end up in their beating and ultimately even in their physical death. But they never questioned it. And it wasn't just a commission to the disciples. It's for all of us. We are ambassadors for Christ. If you want to finish well, be about the task that God has given us and share the gospel with those who are around you. Starting well is easy. And many of you have started well. Congratulations. But as in life, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And I want to make sure that you finish well. Maybe you say, Josh, I've given up. I've sat down on this track for too long. I can't keep going. Let me encourage you. Get up. Seek after him. Set your heart upon him. Get into his word. Get involved in his church. Spend time with him in prayer, and you will find that that race that you once counted off as a loss, you're now running with endurance that God has set before you. Let me encourage you, if you've fallen down or you're discouraged, to get up, to brush off those bruises, to brush off that dust, and to keep on running. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.